soul by sin oppressed there's mercy with the Lord and he will surely give you rest by trusting in his word only trust him only trust him only trust him now he will save Welcome to today's service in honor of John Cook. I look around and see there's different ones that know John in different ways. For some, he's family. For some, he's a friend, a neighbor, co-worker. Uh, some know him through political action, some through church. Uh, good to see each one of you here honoring John and Lori uh, by being here today. Let's ask the Lord's blessing as we begin together. Our Father, we thank you for this time. I thank you for each one that has made the effort to come here to, um, to make a statement by their presence uh, of the impact of John Cook in their life and the lives of others. Father, we thank you for John, the gift he was in each of our lives in so many different ways. And now, Father, as we gather to come before you, we ask your blessing. We pray that John's Savior would be glorified and honored. Father, I pray that we might know your comfort and your strength and encouragement. And all of this we ask in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. We, <clears throat> I just want to mention you heard the songs as you were coming in. The, you probably didn't hear too many of the words as we were gathering, but that prelude was uh, what the, kind, the music that John was listening to in his final uh, days and that last one, only trust him, only trust him, uh, that's what was playing as John entered into glory. And so I thought you would like to just have a sense and awareness of that. John loved uh, the songs of the, of the faith, and so we're going to sing some of those today, uh, beginning with Amazing Grace. Our first song this morning is Amazing Grace. You can follow along with the words on the screen or you can follow along in the, in the uh, hymnal. Number 202, Amazing Grace.
we know John in different ways, uh, each of us, and so it's kind of helpful at a time like this to read an obituary and kind of fill in some of the details. For some of you, there'll be some surprises or reminders. But John Cook, John William Cook, went to be with the Lord peacefully with his family at his side on December 14, 2023. John was born to William Cook and Eleanor Lentz in West Frankfurt, Illinois, on November 29, 1943. He graduated from Texas Tech University and was one of the founders of the Sigma Phi Epsilon on the campus. He was also on the Golden Gloves boxing team. John married Lori, and they've been married, they've been married for over 41 years. He was a faithful servant at, the at their church, Terrell Bible Church, volunteering in various capacities, including the fellowship committee. He welcomed the opportunity to tell others about the Lord and was quick to forgive others who may have wronged him. John never met a stranger and was an encourager, especially to the young. He retired from UPS and started video and tanning in 1987 and closed in 2001. John had a calling to get involved in politics to get godly people elected and to encourage Christians to vote. He served on the State Republican Executive Committee and was relentless in his calling, uh, even walking door-to-door -door in the snow uh, to, camp to raise votes. John enjoyed his children and grandchildren at every opportunity. John and Lori enjoyed traveling and were blessed to have visited many places in the U.S. and outside the U.S. He also enjoyed photography and working with his hands on various projects. John was preceded in death by his parents and sister Peggy. He is survived by his wife, Lori, daughters Tara and Aaron, son Josh, seven grandchildren, five great-grandchildren, brother David, and countless friends. He'll be remembered by his love for his family, his contagious smile, his generosity, his patriotism, and his love for the Lord Jesus. And that certainly sounds like the John I know. John loved the scriptures. He, got, he delighted in them. And so I'd like to just read some of the scriptures that meant so much to him. Many of them he memorized. Psalm 23 is the shepherd's psalm. You remember that. It's familiar. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In John's final days, when I would visit him, I would often I read Psalm 23. I, I like to go to the most familiar passages as he was uh, less and less able to respond. And he got into the place he was no longer talking, but I still shared some scriptures, prayed with him. But he surprised us all as I was reading Psalm 23, and he started joining me by recitation. That's how much that scripture meant to him. Philippians 1.21 for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That gives perspective for today, doesn't it? 
Romans 8, 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. John 14, 6 is a familiar one at times of a funeral, and it was as precious in John's heart. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way, you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going, and how can we know the way? But Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then finally, we'll read Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 10, which were so important in John's understanding of his relationship with the Lord. And you, Christ, God made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin, in which you once walk according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we also once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with with Christ, By grace you have been saved. And raised us up together and made us to sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in him. These are passages that John would quote, that John delighted in, that John hoped in. And as I said, he also loved uh, the, the songs of the faith. And John's favorite song, everyone would say, was, And Can It Be? Whenever we had a time where we would invite people to, let's choose your favorite song, you didn't have to call on John. It was going to be, And Can It Be? And whenever we sang it, his face would light up, and it will light up now as we sing, and can it be. You may remain seated as we sing number 203 in the hymnal, and can it be.
that final stanza has a, that amazing statement, no condemnation in Christ. <clears throat> and bold, I approach the eternal throne. I, I always stumble on that one. How can we, how can someone in sin be bold enough to approach, bold to approach God and claim the crown in Christ my own? Because it's in Christ, washed and cleansed. And so as we sang that, I thought of John. Maybe he was singing this as he walked into heaven. Bold, I approach. <coughs> At this time, we'd like to open the, uh, up to some remarks. We have a few that are, are scheduled to speak, and then at the end you'll see guests. And so if you would like to make a, a brief remark, I'll underscore the word brief. <coughs> we have a lunch plan for after the service. It's not dinner or supper. Um, but if you would like to make a brief remark, uh, so many of us know John in so many ways. And in a fellowship that follows, that's another time, around the table, just to celebrate the gift John was in our lives. And you know, we might even have a few laughs at his expense, and I think he would enjoy that as well. <clears throat> so at this time, I'd like to ask Roger, please, to come and, and speak. So one of the things I, I count John a friend for is the fact that I believe he led me uh, to Christ, but he also led me to the ministry. I don't think I would be a Southern Baptist pastor right now if it weren't for John. He, uh, he turned me on to a fellow named John MacArthur, and we were off to the races from there. Uh, but uh, So I, I've cut this down, way down, Lori. It's, it's no more than 30 or 40 minutes. So, John was a special, a special man in God's eyes. As a matter of fact, all of us are special in God's eyes because God has called every one of us to be a man after his own heart, just as he called David to be that kind of man, and just as he called John to be a man of God's heart, after God's heart. He wanted us to be holy, to be set apart. That was God's message to us. We've already heard it partly in this, in this morning's scriptures. But holy is a very simple conflict, uh, concept if you believe in Jesus Christ and you follow him. If you don't, it could be kind of misleading. Holy might bring to mind someone who never laughs or smiles, who never has a good time, who never spends any of his time, money, or his talents on on fun stuff, you, you might see a holy man, a godly man, as a, 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 a pious fellow, a somber, a Jesus freak, of course, moping about and distressed and dejected countenance. Uh, and you would say to me, that was not John Cook. No, it wasn't. You'd be absolutely right. I would agree with you because that is not what a holy man is. That's not what a godly man is. Actually, his, his uh, obituary, which you read, brother, is, uh, is more of a description of a holy man, a godly man, a man after God's own heart. Uh, and and uh, I, I, I think about John in, as a prime example of a holy man, of a godly man, not a perfect man. Not a man without sin. There's no one in here like that. There is none, no such man, period, save one, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
Uh, but John loved to joke around and, and have as much fun as anyone else. So I want to just tell you a couple of brief stories. One uh, it may turn into more than that. Uh, I noticed the, noticed the cameras out here, so this one came to mind immediately on the table when we go over into the, the fellowship hall. You're going to see a bunch of cameras out. And Pastor mentioned that John loved photography and, and was really involved in it, and I kind of like it too, being in radio and television. I shot a few films in my day, and, and we, we shared videos back and forth that we shot. Uh, John was coming to visit, and I had just gotten a new video camera. We were down in Biloxi at the time, or Beaumont at the time, and John and Lori came down, and, and remember, he, he loved my camera. He, he thought that camera was great, so he, he decided to buy one himself. So when they came back up here, he bought one, and next thing I know, I get a phone call from John. I got to tell you about my new camera. It does this, and it does that, and, this, and oh, by the way, the screen is bigger than yours. <laughs> John always had to have bigger than me. When he bought the last truck he bought, I pointed out that my truck was bigger than his. Mine was a full-size truck. You mentioned when, I, when you saw me today, you've lost a lot of weight. I have. I've lost a lot of weight. And thank God John's not here because he'd be telling me he's bigger than me. And don't get me started on the white tennis shoes. That's a whole different thing. Oh, well, I should tell you what I did when he told me that he bought that camera. I took mine back to Best Buy, returned it, and got one with a bigger screen than his. I couldn't let it lie. But that's, that's goofing around stuff. That's fun stuff. That's something people don't think about Christian brothers doing, about godly men doing, having fun together. Uh, and the white tennis shoe thing, he always had to have the whitest tennis shoes, right? He, they get a little dirt on him. He'd go buy a new pair. And if he was coming to see me or we were coming up here to see them, uh, he would have to buy new white tennis shoes so that his would be whiter than mine. Well, uh, I haven't bought a pair in years, so John's winning that race for sure because he's got on the white ones right now. They go with the robes better. There's a scripture I came across as I was preparing. I'll read it to you quickly. For if you truly, this is Jeremiah, by the way, God speaking in Jeremiah 7. Verses 5 through 7. For if you truly amend your ways and your deeds, if you truly execute justice one with another, if you do not oppress the sojourner, the fatherless, or the widow, or shed innocent blood in the place, in this place, and if you do not go after other gods to your own harm, God makes a promise here. If you walk that walk, that's a godly walk, that's a holy, separate, set-apart walk for God. God makes this promise in verse 7, Then I will let you dwell in this place, in the land that I gave of old to your fathers forever. There's a key word there, forever. Don't forget that. I'll come back to it in about one sentence here. Now that describes John to a T, that one just as his obituary did. That describes the man that John was. He certainly had realized the mistakes that he had made in his youth, and he repented of them. He turned away from them, which is what that scripture says we need to do, amend our ways, amend our deeds, and he did, and he led me into doing that as well, and I dare say many of us in this room. So John was walking that kind of walk. He certainly, John certainly, never never looked down on anyone who was suffering or having a hard time. As a matter of fact, that was one of John's greatest attributes is that he appreciated what other people were going through and the pain that they were suffering. And 
And the great thing was that he did something about it in every case he could. Uh, one quick story, and I'll close. Uh, we were in Mexico with John and Lori, and uh, we, uh, we were at, at a hotel, and we, we took a, a cab to go downtown to the, uh, the market center to shop. And, and uh, it was three or four miles. I mean, it, it was not a long cab ride. I think the, the meter said $10. And, uh, and so John got out of the cab with the rest of us, and, and he paid the man. Paid him the $10 for the ride and the $20 tip. He paid $20, paid $30 for a $10 ride. And as the cab drove off, the driver with a big smile on his face, uh, we pointed out to John that that was a 200% a tip. And uh, he said, oh, that's okay, I know that. But he was a nice guy and he needs it more than me. Generosity, you mentioned. So remember that promise that, that was made there is, is my hope for all of us here today, as John remembered it. John loved to joke around as much as anyone, and, and uh, I just tell you that, uh, that he is, is, uh, is in a, a special place today for a special reason, and that is because he, he did walk a walk that was a godly walk. And it is a godly walk that you and I can walk it's sometimes hard, yes, but always the reward is what God promised us. The reward is eternity in heaven with him. Uh, and I know that's eternity he was talking about because when God said this to Jeremiah, he said forever. Well, if you look around, Jeremiah's not living in the holy lands anymore. If you look around, none of these people in the Bible who were there then are living in the Holy Lands right now. John is not in the Holy Lands right now, but he had this promise, as we do, that he would abide there forever. No, John is where Jeremiah is, where the saints are that this promise was made directly to. And to us, to whom this promise is also made, we have that to look forward, uh, that hope in Jesus Christ, that if we repent of our sins, turn the other way, and walk after Jesus, we will be there with him, too. Thank you. And now Senator Bob Hall. I don't know where to begin, and Lori said to be brief, so I will try my best to do that and thank you for asking me to give me the opportunity and pastor used one word to describe John they're bold it would be in the list of Christian patriot servant and bold there certainly was nothing that was not bold about John uh, he and I had a lot in common I never forget when I first met him and realized he wasn't born in Texas but he came here and he became a real Texan um, and he he took his servant's role very seriously. I mean, uh, when I first started to run, everybody I ran into said, have you talked to John Cook? Because John Cook knows everybody. And so I said, okay. And it didn't take me long. He knew more than everybody, and he knew a lot about them. And there was one thing I really loved about dealing with John was you never wondered what he was thinking. He made sure you knew and if you didn't agree with him, he would inform you of that very quickly. I love that in John. And, and his servant role of, 
it was mentioned in, in the bulletin, the write-up. Uh, he was a machine in putting out signs and helping candidates on the right because he truly believed that the right, not the left, was God's place for us and what he wanted. And I'll tell you, he was the inspiration for when I picked a, a Bible verse to write in the Bible my first session down there. It came from how John kept saying, we're right and we're on God's side. And God is on our side on the right. And for those of you who know, Ecclesiastes 10.2 says, The heart of the righteous leans to the right. The heart of the wicked leans to the left. <laughs> and that came from my dealing with John. <laughs> Think about that one for a minute. And there, there. But um, he had a call. He was a calling. And uh, it's something that we can admire. And I can only hope to someday be as dedicated to helping others as what he was. And he is truly missed, but the good news is we will all be with him one day. Thank you. Dr. George Kramer, please. see everybody here this morning. Everybody here probably loved John a whole lot. And to be brief, I loved him too. Uh, John was like a, a, a real brother uh, to me. He was much older than I was. <laughs> Three months, but I never let him forget it. When I think of John, uh, kind of four things come to my mind. Number one is uh, he loved his Lord. He couldn't get into a conversation until about two sentences before John was talking about the Lord. And uh, he loved his Lord. He loved his Savior. And uh, it showed. Uh, second thing I think about is his love for Lori. Um, those two are ham and eggs. I mean, John and Lori, they just kind of go together. And the third thing I think about is uh, the scripture that talks about the fellowship of the saints. And John and Lori for so long were our fellowship committee. And they were always begging, let's have more fellowships. Let's have more. They're already working hard on everything. And so whenever we'd have a fellowship dinner, John would immediately get Lori in there to get all the work done. <laughs> while John would uh, socialize with everybody. And uh, we'd joke about that. Uh, whenever we had a fellowship dinner, John would be the last one to go through the line because he was always out there talking to everybody. And uh, fourth thing I think about is politics. How John so much wanted to have godly men and women in our, in our public offices, and particularly here in Kaufman County. And he and Lori worked so hard on that and uh, really helped our church because most of us don't take the time to get to know all the candidates out there. And so John and Lori would, would uh, keep us up to date. John, how about this candidate? Oh, no, you want him. You want this one. And so it was very, very easy to go, to go vote. And uh, I think about John, the song we sang, And Can It Be. Um, I'd always see John afterwards a little teary-eyed on that song. And it was that, that verse about bold, I approach the eternal throne. And the... Um, those words kind of, I think, hit him a whole lot. 
uh, in his heart. And so good to know that John walked in boldly, uh, having trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as his Savior. So everybody that knows John, you have a hard time forgetting him. And uh, I will too. Uh, to be brief, I loved him. He was a great guy. Uh, at this time, if anyone would like to add to the comments, we'd love to hear from you. And if uh, you could do it from where you are, but especially since this is being live streamed, it'd be uh, great if you'd come up here. Anyone want to add to that? Well, please take your uh, opportunity during lunch to, to visit and talk about John and just uh, savor the gift that he was to us in so many ways. Okay, with that, then uh, I think we are ready to hear from the men's ensemble. <clears throat>
please stand together with me as you're able. Sing number 345 in the hymn, Blessed Assurance. Next, I'll be reading on Tara's behalf, John's daughter Tara, um, a letter she wrote, letter to dad. We do not know the time or the hour, though the time has drawn near. Do I pray against God's perfect plan to accomplish some work to the end? In my flesh, I know it's in his hands. As I wait, I can hardly stand to let go of his hand. The sting is real. How long it can last, day to day, hour to hour, you look in at a face that doesn't look back. You cry for a moment, and then you say, just one more hug, just one more day. Just say the words you used to say. I know you're leaving me, but say it's not so. I don't want you to go. With all my love, I kiss you goodnight. Send me my angel to be my guiding light. You'll be missed more than you know. Take me with you as you go. Now I am left here all alone. Good night, Dad. At a time like this, it is, is good to look to the Lord's word for comfort, for insight, for strength. Many passages come to mind when we Think of John, I've read some that were so special to him. 
Yeah, the Ecclesiastes passage in many ways came to mind with John. Uh, <coughs> uh, if you didn't know, John was interested in politics. A passage that does come to mind when I think of John is Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount. And in that Sermon on the Mount, when our Lord was giving instructions to those who would be his followers and describing them, and our Lord said this in verses, chapter, Matthew 5, verses 14 to 16. He said, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. The last line of his obituary was, he will be remembered by his love for his family, his contagious smile, his generosity, his patriotism, and his love for the Lord Jesus. When I think of John, I think of joy. He always had such a ready smile. He would come into, even in one of these work days and working hard to get things ready, smile. He was out there campaigning, smile. He, he would have the, that, just that joyous smile. Towards the end of his life, as he would come in, often late at church, late, a little bit later, and, and, and Lori would be bringing him in. I'd look at the back, and as he kind of had a little shuffle coming in, he had a big smile. And that was just kind of light me up up here as I looked and saw that. John was, had a big smile because, and it reflected his joy. He had a <clears throat> heart that made him, he was such an encourager to so many. Uh, I'm sure in the political realm, you know, encouraging people to run, encouraging people to work, encouraging people to take the right positions, encouraging people to vote, an encourager. Uh, in the church, encouraging people to work, and again, by example, um, he would, you know, and George mentioned that he was on the fellowship committee, and a lot of people say, hey, that's enough. Don't, don't ask us to do more. You don't have too many saying, we're not doing enough. Let's, can we do more? Can we do some more? And um, just that zeal, but and encouraging people as he went. Oh, so often he would have an encouraging word uh, to me and to others. He especially did seem to love to reach out to young people and encourage them. And, and, and just he just delighted in young people and being around them and, 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 and giving some words of encouragement. Another word that does come to mind is uh, the word passionate or zeal or maybe bold. Does, I think we would all agree, if you knew John, he had a, he had a zeal about him in, 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 in every area. He wasn't just, some people get zealous and then get kind of grumbly and complaining talk about the problems that they see. John wasn't like that. He saw a problem and he wanted to attack it. He wanted to pursue it. He wanted to resolve it with joy, enthusiasm, and trying to draw others into the effort. And so that zeal came forward in so many ways. <coughs> if you know John, one of his heroes was uh, President Ronald Reagan. And President Reagan used to speak of, of America as a shining city upon a hill. We hear these days about politicians and plagiarism. Well, he, he lifted that line, <laughs> uh, and, and he gladly admitted it. He, admitted, he lifted it from one of the pilgrims, uh, John Winthrop, who came over and wrote a sermon in 1630. I, I don't know if Reagan heard him preach it. <laughs> <coughs> uh, 
But he used that phrase of America, vision, setting a vision. Even before he got off the boat, he wrote the sermon of what, what is it we're trying to accomplish? We want America to be a city on the hill. And John Winthrop had lifted that phrase from Jesus. You are the light of the world. He, he wanted America to be a place that was a light on a hill, that, that shining city, the light on a, uh, for, to the world, not under a basket, but on a lampstand to give light to all. And I see John in that, taking that instruction, let your light so shine before men so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. John sought to live that. And again, we've already heard some, uh, some remarks that, that said, now, now John wasn't perfect. And, if you, you, and, and be, that's one of the benefits of his boldness. He didn't have too much problem seeing the imperfections either. So, so we're not saying, when we're not here, here, we're not talking about worshiping John here, but we are saying it was a wonderful gift. And so when I'm saying these things about him, I'm, I'm not denying the flaws. In fact, I'll just right here mention, to me, one of the great strengths of John, okay, he was forgiving, but it takes an incredible amount of strength sometimes to say, I was wrong. And I remember one time we had a season in our life and, uh, where John just didn't, quite agree with the direction the, the leadership was going with the church. Uh, it had to do with, you know, should we go into debt to buy a building and this sort of thing. And John was, said, we're missing an opportunity. We should just go ahead, bite the bullet, take on, a, take on a debt, and let's build a building. And, and we said, Lord John, that's just not the, the way we're, we're going to go. And he, in, in John's own way, he made it clear he didn't agree. And then later on, uh, th these facilities were given to us. Um, and, and John saw the wisdom of waiting for God's timing. And here's what was important. John, no one w went out to John and said, see, told you so. But John came forward and said, and I can't remember now if it was in a public setting or just personally, saying, I was wrong and you were right. And I'm so glad you were listening to the Lord. You know, that takes strength. To st he could have easily just let that one slip by. But he had the strength of courage to say, I was wrong. You were right. I'm glad you were right. And there's a, there's a character thing there in, in John that said that. He wanted to be that light on a hill for the Lord. He wanted to be a light that was shining and not hidden. He sought to live in his community that way as well. He was certainly that way in our church, but in our community. That fired his political involvement. He wanted the nation he loved to be blessed. He often quoted Proverbs 14, 34, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And so he was concerned for his nation. And so he was, but it's one thing to be complain, concerned and complaining. John said, I'm, that means I should get involved. And that was through everything from work, through participation, through giving, through recruiting. And, and so that's where I, we admire someone that can say, <coughs> I have a conviction about this, but instead of complaining about it, he rolled up his sleeves and got busy doing something about it. And that was, a, he wanted to be that light on a hill in his community, in his nation. But notice when, when Jesus said, let your light so shine before men, what 
let's look at the context again. First of all, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. In other places, we're told that uh, Jesus said, I am the light of the world in John 8, 12. And so when we are the light of the world, we're showing the light of Jesus. As close as we walk with Jesus and as well as we represent him, we're showing the light of Jesus. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but he but have the light of life. And again, in the passage I already mentioned in Matthew, Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. And he doesn't say, and pat you on the back. That's not wrong to pat someone on the back, but that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And John wasn't about getting the glory for himself. He was about getting things done and done right and done well that God might be glorified. That's what he wanted. And in every area of service, he, he, and all of his joyful encouragement, he wanted us to see the glory of God. And he wanted God to be glorified as the one who made the difference in John. John was not raised in a Christian home. It was after high school, some friends invited him to church. And they wanted him to join the uh, uh, sports team at the church. And to join the sports team, you had to be a member of the church. So John joined the church. <clears throat> and uh, he was in there for about two years. Through that, he got to know the pastor's sons. And they were into boxing. That's how John got into boxing and the golden gloves. He, he did profess faith in Christ. But he looked back and said, but you know, he lived no differently. And he stayed there for about two years and... and and just kind of drifted. And he talks about the fact he did not leave the life pleasing to the Lord. But later on, he did. Here, he started listening to radio and TV preachers, which is scary. <coughs> but if you, if you filter it right, I guess, uh, he did hear the gospel. And he recognized he was brought to awareness of his own sin, his need for forgiveness. And so he came to the Lord in repentance and trusted in him as Savior. And, and his life this time was transformed. This wasn't a, a profession so he could get onto the team. This was a heart that was challenged and changed through Christ, faith in Christ. So when, when John trusted in Christ, he began a new life. You, know, you hear the expression born again, and we think maybe Billy Graham coined that phrase. It's a little older than that. Jesus did. And when Nicodemus, a Pharisee, came to Jesus and said... Uh, uh, you know, the man wanted to talk religion. People like to talk religion and politics. But, but Jesus basically said to him, forget all that. He didn't say that, but what he did say is, you must be born again. Nicodemus, here is the issue. The issue is you, and you must be born again. You, you, you need to begin spiritual life. That's what you need, Nicodemus. Not religion like you have. Life. And that's what happened to John. He came to life in Christ. Again, that does not mean he was perfect. But it was a life that was ch changed, empowered to live by God's Spirit in a way that increasingly showed the light of Christ. In recent years, John began what's been called the, the, long, be good, the long goodbye. And um, he was still joyful when he came to church greeted his friends, even though he didn't necessarily remember they were his friends or their names. But he still, want, he still took joy in being here. 
Eventually, he's no longer able to go out as his body continued to decline. And I just have to say, in the midst of that, while we were missing his presence, we were also missing Lori's presence. And through that, through that long goodbye, with her arm in his arm, Lori walked and gave him such support, such encouragement, such love, such patience, for which we thank you, Lord, for loving our friend and helping him in those final days. Arm in arm, she walked him right up to the gates of glory and let him go in. On December 14th, 2023, John entered into the presence of the Lord. He didn't shuffle in this time. He may have had the same smile, but he must have bounded in and with radiant smile. The Bible talks about the fact that when we die uh, as a believer, we are gathered to, to God's people. And so, so many of those uh, heroes of the faith that he so admired were there. But of course, most importantly of all, he probably could look past most of them because there was the Lord Jesus Christ. Finally, he could be with him, see him, worship him. The Bible tells us to, to, to live as Christ and to die as gain. And that gain is when we go immediately into the presence of the Lord. Paul talked about that in 2 Corinthians 5. Um, verses, I'll read verses 6 to 9. We're always confident knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We are confident, yes, and well pleased rather to be absent from the body and be present with the Lord. That's what happened on December 14th. John's spirit became absent from the body, present with the Lord. I like to think that when a believer dies, it's often that we go through a time of fatigue and tired and weakness, and then all of a sudden he is overwhelmed with an energy, a life, a joy that he's never known. I often quote... Uh, D.L. Moody was an evangelist of a previous century. And he said, one day you're going to read in the newspapers, D.L. Moody has died. And he said, don't you believe it for a minute. Because on that very moment, I'll be more alive than I've ever been. And that was John. Like I said, that shuffle gave way to, I don't know what. <laughs> but we're filled with energy, filled with joy. Finally, finally freed from all sin. What a joy for John to live as Christ and to, to die as gain. And again, to make a point, that happened at the moment of his body's failure, at the moment of his body's death. Remember Jesus said to the thief on the cross who turned in repentance to Jesus, and Jesus said, I surely I say to you today, today, you will be with me in paradise. John four, December 14th, John entered heaven with his Savior. And just as was true with John and the thief on the cross, so it's true for every follower of Christ. It's not our deeds or anything we did or didn't do that somehow earns us a place in heaven. It's a gift received by faith in Christ when we, like John, recognize our sin 
and our need of forgiveness, and we turn to Christ for forgiveness and life, we're born again. Jesus said to Martha, the sister of Mary at Lazarus' tomb, Jesus said to her in John chapter 11, verses 25 and 26, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? What he's saying is your body will die, but you don't die. You continue in life. John, John became more alive. The restrictions of his failing body left behind him. Those who have Christ have eternal life now. Those who have Christ have a hope in heaven at the moment of death. And to quote the uh, TV salesman, and there's more. <coughs> we have, as with before us, the hope of the resurrection. Absent from the body, one day he'll be reunited with that body. And Paul described it this way in 1 Thessalonians 4. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. And with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. John's going to get the first jump on us. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. As I bring this message to a close, if you know John, John was outspoken. And John was passionate about his relationship with the Lord. And he was very bold and urgent about talking to people about their own relationship with the Lord. And so John would have me speak on his behalf. You're here today because you have some kind of a relationship with John, a neighbor, friend, co-worker, knew him in politics, family. Every one of you in some way loved John. And, and let me just say, John would love you to share in his joy. And in fact, I would say, John, if he could speak from heaven right now, he would say, and I didn't know the half of it. But John wants you where he is. He wants you to have what he had, forgiveness now, life and glory forever. John's greatest joy is where he is right now, and that's one of the things that gives us comfort in his loss. We saw John weakening that's gone. We rejoice for John. And he, John would want to see you with him. <laughs> if you could make heaven better, that would be the great heaven to him, to see you come through those gates. And especially if you hadn't trusted Christ, but through John's own message, you did. John's one of his favorite passages in Ephesians 2, it says, For by grace you save through faith. It's not of ourselves, lest any man should boast. It's the gift of God. And so what John is, would want you to know is salvation is a gift he recognized he needed, he received when he trusted Christ as Savior. And he would so urge you, if you have yet to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, don't put it off any longer. At one point I read in some of his notes, he can't believe it took him so long. And he might say to you, What's waiting? What are you waiting for? In Acts chapter 16, they asked, someone asked the apostles, What must we do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. If you have yet to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, 
And that's John's wish for you and John's wish for himself, that he might rejoice to see you and share the glories with him. But we can only do that through Christ. Let's sing in Christ alone. Our final song for this morning is In Christ Alone. Let's stand together as we sing. close in prayer and, and also with the words of uh, some kind of traditional words at a time like this. After the service, immediately after service, all are invited to head out to the gym. You can go out those doors there and take a left and follow the sidewalk to the gym. We'll have a meal together. Uh, everyone's invited. You know, not everyone can stay, but if there's any way you can, I'm sure. If nothing, come by and, and, and greet the family there. Um, so you're all invited. And that might be a good time to, again, share some of those uh, grateful thoughts about John. Let me pray. Father, we, <coughs> we come with, with hearts full of joy as we reflect on all that we received in the gift of John. Thank you, Father, as I look over this diverse crowd and recognize uh, we knew him in different ways. 
for different lengths of time. We saw different parts of John. And Father, we thank you for so much goodness and grace you gave to us in John. We join with John in thanking you for the forgiveness of his sins and for growing his life to be more and more like Christ. And Father, I pray that if any here have yet to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, open their eyes as you did to John and bring them to that faith. And Father, too, I, I, I pray for each of us. As joyful as we are, having been touched by John, there is still the sorrow of his absence. Father, I pray for comfort, strength, and somehow may you use the, the certainty of his joy to fill that gap in our lives and comfort us in his absence. Father, I ask your blessing on this time as we go from here. I pray your blessing on the meal that we will enjoy together. And Father, now, as much as it is as pleased Almighty God in his wise providence to take out of this world the soul of John Cook, our brother in Christ, we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come through our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose coming in glorious majesty the earth and the sea shall give up their dead, and the mortal bodies of those who sleep in Christ shall be changed and made like unto his own glorious body, according to the mighty working whereby he is able to subdue all things unto himself. With this confidence and in this hope, we give you the praise and pray in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you. You are dismissed. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God. Born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Perfect submission, perfect delight, visions of rapture now burst on my side. Angels descending, bring from above. Echoes of mercy, whispers of love. This is my story, this is my song. 
praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Praising my Savior all the day long. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus and to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise and to know the Savior the Lord. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I
to 